Father Dad, welcome back. It's great to have you here again. Oh, it's my honor. I'm so blessed to be back with you, Rudy, in in the pews again. The honor is all <laughs> ours. Now, we, we sat down for quite a while during our last session, but we only got up to the point where you started St. Faustina. Now, before we get into that, let's backtrack a little bit on your story. There are a few questions that we have about, you know, the, the previous interview. Now, you said that, you know, when you came here and your family came here to the United States, your grandparents, they, were they left behind? Did they stay behind in Vietnam? So, uh, by the time we came over here, both my grandparents uh, that they were living with had passed. Okay. okay. My grandparents on my mother's side were still living. They okay. lived in another city with my uncle. Okay. And... Uh, while we were living here, they passed, and I remember going back to Vietnam with my mother to visit them before they passed. How old were you at that point? I was already starting the seminary, so I'll be in my early 20. Okay, so yeah. you were here for a while now at that point. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. And did they have any, you know, were, did they have any problems with the government or anything with the fact that, that you all left the country? Did they? They didn't. They didn't. That's good. Uh, uh, the, uh, the the government over the year was uh, losing up okay. over the years. You know, they were still having uh, control over a lot of things, but over the years they have loosened up a lot. Yes. That's good. So they were really strict early on, huh? Yes. When they first took over uh -huh. the South Vietnam, they were very strict, but they loosened up over the years. Did Did they or your parents tell you any stories about? you know, their experience during the Vietnam War? It was uh, a scary time. In fact, my father, interestingly, never really told my mother about his war experience. Uh, it was recently, we had a lot of encounter and dad starting to tell little story here and there. Okay. Uh, for example, um, one time he and I was... Uh, having a conversation and he told me that God is so real and he said he, that he could feel that God was always protecting him and it led him to a conversation where he said he was flying rescue helicopter for rescue operation so there was moment when the uh, the soldiers uh -huh. uh, uh, in the south was surrounded by the communist who was attacking them. Okay. And he said he literally have like five seconds. He flew the helicopter in. He landed it. Everybody jumps Everybody on. Everybody jumped on as many as they could. Wow. Because you have to fly out right away. Yeah. Otherwise, the whole... So as many people jump on and grab onto the... Wow. The helicopter as possible. And uh -huh. he just quickly fly out. And he said literally bullet was flying around and people was wow. getting hit. But he was getting out. So he was a um, pilot. He was a pilot, yeah. And wow. uh, I said, Dad, did you ever tell Mom that that traumatic, scary experiences? Uh -huh. He said, I never did because I didn't want for her to worry. Mm. And he was shielding it from her. Uh, so I could hear those stories. Uh, after the war, for example, Mother was telling me that... Um, um, they were very scared because the communists would come and take them away uh -huh. anytime. So uh, dad would leave the house really early in the morning and go to the farm 
uh-huh. and then the, didn't go back until late at night. And at the time, she was uh, uh, pregnant, so it was very hard for her. But she understood because yes. um, any time they could come and take him away or or, or uh, do something to him. You know? So it's very difficult time. And then uh, when that was taken away, mom was conceiving me so she was by herself yes uh, a young mother in her early 20 with two other kids yes and, wow uh, yeah she had her own problems to worry she about had her own problem and to worry your dad about didn't want her to, to you know to worry more about him and add on to yeah. that stress yeah wow it was, it was a difficult time what was it like growing up um catholic in communist vietnam w- were you persecuted in any way the government when i grew up uh, had a lot of uh, control. For example, I remember that um, we weren't allowed to, uh, uh, like I didn't have catechetical classes like we do over here. Okay. So my catechetical classes were, um, that would go, we go to morning mass. So, and in Vietnam, the day start very early. Okay. So the morning mass was at 4.30 a.m. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> we would have to be up, you know, about 3.50 or so, get yeah. ready, and then walk to church. Uh-huh. So on the way to church, that would begin his catechetical formation. He would teach us about the faith. And walking back, he would talk about the faith. Uh-huh. And we we'll, would have we'll sit down and he would teach us the faith. Uh-huh. And we'll have breakfast and we'll go to school. Wow. That was our CCE class. On and the road. On the road. <laughs> and when the time comes for first communion, I was I was in first grade. The pastor would make the announcement, all the kids on that day show up at the church to be to be in the view for first communion. Okay. So all the kids would line up like communion and the priest has a chair in the middle. With a pan, and uh-huh. you go up, you ask you some question, and if you answer uh, enough question right, he would approve you for first communion, and your name is written down. Okay. Then you go and re- you receive first communion. <laughs> so that was our. Well, that was it, right? That was it. And same thing with confirmation, you know. Uh, wow. And uh, the bishop wouldn't allow, like, if the bishop was to go to a parish, uh-huh. he would have to have permission from the local government yes. to go there. Yes. So we didn't see the bishop all the time. So it was planned in such a way that it would be a big group because the bishop come and he'll confirm. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so whole group. Yeah. The whole big group. Uh, it's only once in a while. Grades. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, it was regulated. Uh, Did they try to control they con- the church? They control... Uh, whenever you have big event, you have to have permission uh-huh. from the local government. The bishop uh, was um, also who. Whenever a person joined a seminary, uh-huh. it has to be approved by the government. And when they finish their seminary study, the uh-huh. bishop may approve them for ordination, but the government have to also wow. approve it. That is why when my father took me to go see the bishop yes. at the age of about 10. 
telling the bishop, Bishop, my son was <laughs> celebrating Mass every day in my home with his blanket and yeah. <laughs> with the peanut butter graffles. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I want to know what he needs to go to the, do to, to go to the seminary. And the bishop say, with you working in the government, in the yeah. government there is no way your son can join the seminary. Wow. So find a way to leave the country. So in that sense, they they control. Yes. The church, yeah. Now going to elementary school in Vietnam, was there any type of propaganda or brainwashing of the children? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I remember. Um, you have to be uh, going to a class uh, when the teacher, you have a class where you have to literally recite the uh, the. Uh, kind of like the teaching of the Communist Party. You know? Okay. And uh, they also have like the, the Communist uh, children, you know, where you, uh, you you have kind of like the scout, but uh, okay. uh, but with the, all the, the propaganda of, of the Communists. So we have to deal with that growing up, yeah. Wow, wow, yeah. was that hard? You know, as a kid, you kind of go along, you have parents that kind of watch out for you. And uh -huh. um, yeah, but. Now, did you leave any relatives behind in, um, aside from your 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 grandparents? Yeah. I still have a, a lot of uh, relatives, uh -huh. cousins and uncle and aunts back in Vietnam still. Uh -huh. how, how did they feel about you and your family leaving? I think that was everybody's uh, dream because they we know that Especially family that have worked in the in the in the previous in the government uh, before, yes. uh, we knew that for us to stay there, there's not a future in terms of the ability to uh, to go to uh, higher education mm -hmm. and to have a uh, to really be able to 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 do well at all. So. It's because your dream. prospects are limited. Yeah, so it's the prayer. It takes a lot of sacrifice to, to leave, mm -hmm. because you, if it financially you have to to pay for it, but most importantly, you you risk your life literally on the sea. Yeah, yeah, living. So, but we know that the value of of freedom, you know, freedom to to practice one's religion, freedom to pursue the dream of the priesthood. Mm -hmm. Freedom to be able to um, a, a achieve higher education was important. So it was a risk worth taking. So now we ended our last interview talking about how you received word that you would start St. Faustina. Uh -huh. And you always say that you didn't know where Fulshire was when you heard <laughs> about it. What decision was made that you would be the one to start the parish? So at the time I was finishing out my my uh, vocation ministry, and uh, I've served for seven years. And the cardinal has, uh, for a long time, re received request and was informed that this area is growing very very rapidly. Mm -hmm. But he was also um, thinking about you know who can he send out to start a parish out here from scratch 
No, it's it's a unique assignment. Yes, it is. Because usually you go to a parish, you already have a church, a rectory, an office, but mm-hmm. this one you come out there with with a piece of land. It's the so, field. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and so I think that it at the time it, it 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 works out well because I was leaving vocation ministry. It's not like I'm leaving a parish. Okay. So it wouldn't affect the call if he 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 was to. Take somebody from a parish, then you have to find a replacement for that. And yes, and uh, so I think it works out well. And the, the other thing is, I think Cardinal Polly think that I was uh, I was young and I have a lot of energy. It takes some energy, some vibrancy to to <laughs> so come he saw out something and, in you. Um, uh, uh, probably it's he was taking a risk. <laughs> I think. I, I was uh, working a lot with the Cardinal as vocation director and also as his master of ceremony. So I think he kind of know me. He knows that I love being with the people. I think that's what we're looking for. Someone who gather the people. Uh-huh. Uh, I love being with people. I'm kind of a people person. So I think is someone who loves to gather people. I think that's what he saw in me. And uh, so he asked me if I'd be open to it. Uh, so uh, I, I still remember the conversation. He asked me, I'm so thankful to the coroner for that. He, he asked me, why don't you pray about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't just say yes to me, but pray about it. Okay. So I did, I prayed about it. I, uh, being a vocation director, I always teach discernment. So I, I took that very seriously. I took it to prayer. And uh, I, I, I wrote down a list of the pro and cons, the reason why I should go and yes. why I shouldn't go. Okay. And uh, the reason why I shouldn't go, that, that list is a lot longer than that when I, why I should go. <laughs> Do you remember what was on the list? Uh, yes. Well, I, I uh, uh, for example, on the side of go, uh, why I go, mm-hmm. I would put down uh, the opportunity to, to, to um, uh, I love adventure, you know, I love something new something challenging uh so the opportunity to 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 have this uh is not all the time that you open a, a new church yes. from scratch so it's the opportunity it's ex- an exciting opportunity uh you can uh, uh you don't have somebody before you say this is how it's always been yes so you go out there and you can shape the culture uh, you have the ability to shape the culture with the people you know with the founding community i was very excited about that um, the opportunity to learn because you uh, you have to learn really fast. Yes, you know, I've never <laughs> been a pastor before, so here I am coming out, learning to be a pastor and learning with the people, uh, the steps. So uh, I I was excited at the opportunity to, to to be able to learn very quickly and learn very very fast. What about the other list? Uh, uh, the other list was one I've never been a pastor before. Okay, <laughs> so like, you have to have some experience of being a pastor. Uh-huh. Being a vocation director, to a certain extent, is kind of being a pastor. But it's different. It's a it's whole different, different yeah. story. Uh, uh, so uh, it was never being a pastor. The, the lack of experience as a pastor, even though you you were a parochial vicar. I was for, a parochial vicar for yes. two years in two different parishes. So, yes. uh, but as a pastor, I've never been a pastor before. Uh-huh. Um, the other one is, uh, I, um, in terms of building and fundraising, you know, I said, <laughs> <laughs> I love preaching the word of God. I love, but uh, uh, in terms of, 
in my mind, like asking people for money to build, I I didn't like that. You That's know? hard. Uh, I can uh, I can preach, I can do a lot of things, but I don't like asking for money. But I come to learn that you really asking you actually inviting people to be part of something exciting. Yes. Yeah, that's my transform over transformation over the year. But at the time for me it's like I don't like to ask people for money. <laughs> well, cuz it's tough cuz on one <laughs> side tough. you've got people who who say, "Oh, we need this for the church, we need that." That's we need, right. You know, we need to make a new building, we need this. And yeah. then the other side people are saying don't ask us for money. So it, you're <laughs> that, you're in between. So that's there. how I think at the point. No. Uh-huh. Now, now it's like Wow! Come and be part of something God is doing. You know, uh, come and allow our heart to be open for God's blessing. It's transformed over the year. But at that at the time, I thought I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be terrible at that. <laughs> I don't want to do that fundraising and all <laughs> yeah. of that. So I know all of that would be very much a part of 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 uh, building the community. So those are some of the list and. Uh-huh. So I, I went back to the corset court. I made my discernment. I, uh-huh. I want to share with you my discernment. So I make this list, and here they are. Yes. And you notice this list is a lot longer than this list. Yes. Uh, but the only thing is whenever I pray over the list, I feel profound peace when I pray over the shorter list to say yes. Um, and in discernment, whenever you make a decision you take it to prayer, and whatever decision that lead you to deep peace, uh-huh. to greater charity, and a deeper relationship with God, then you go with it. And that's what I felt at the time. Okay. I felt that by saying yes to this, uh, it gave me an opportunity to, to be with a people in such a way that we'll be able to be, because because in our lacking, we're able to, to be more dependent on the Lord, especially in my lacking when I come out here, uh-huh. in my lacking of, like the disciple, when, when Jesus sent them, that, that passage came to my mind, when the Lord sent the disciples to the village the first time, uh-huh. he said, go, but don't bring... Uh, you don't bring money, don't bring the belt, don't bring the shoe, don't bring wow. anything. Yeah. Go to the village. Yes. Because Jesus wanted them, one, to trust that God will provide. Yes. Two, to trust that whom, whomever he sent to, they together will provide. That's why I said, go to a house, don't uh-huh. move from house to house, don't look, but rather if the person provide, you stay there, you be with them. No. So... I knew that if I was to go in my lack of experience as a pastor in in the parish not having anything, I will, with the people, grow in a deeper dependence on God's loving care and providence, always providing for us, also in a greater trust for the Lord. So, um, and also dependence on the people. Yes. Uh, so... That, I, I feel it would draw me closer to the Lord. That was the first thing. Uh, the second thing was it allowed me to be connected with the people and to be able with the, the community to really shape how we want to share the Lord with others. And I just felt a profound, deep peace. So I said, Cardinal, that's the fruit of my prayer. And I'll leave it in your hand for your decision. So, If you didn't, if you had said no, 
do you know where he would have sent you instead? Did he say, if you say no, I'll send you here? <laughs> There he was s- a, uh, no, no. Um, the corner, I, what I, I'm grateful about the corner is he's, he, he consult and he discern with, with the, the personnel board. You know, okay. He, he, he doesn't take this thing lightly. He prayed about it, he think about it, and he, he share and he's open to, uh, to listening. I was grateful that he gave me that, uh, that, that ab- uh, opportunity to discern with him and share that discernment with him because mm-hmm. he's also discerning yes. uh, whether or not he should send me out there. And he want me to pray about it, to mm-hmm. discern it as well so okay. he can share it with the people that he consult with. Yeah, Who's on the so, personnel board? At that point, I know Monsignor Borski was on the okay. personnel board. I don't know who else was on the personnel board at that time, uh, but I know they discussed that in, in the personnel board, yeah. Where do you think they would have sent you if you had said no? Do you have any idea? Uh, probably one What's of the parishes that was open at the time. Yeah. Okay, that needed yeah. a, a pastor. That needed a pastor. Yeah. But we're glad. Uh, you yeah, know, that's, that you... that's my presumption. He might just say, <laughs> "I don't know what to do with you, so why don't you go on?" <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, we're happy that you. We had you here at Saint Faustina I tell to you start what, things out. I am out. so thankful to God. You know, I, I. I'm grateful to the Cardinal. I'm grateful to God because truly, looking back, we've been together for seven years now. I would say yes a million times over again. Wow. I am one, this being with this community, building this parish together has made me closer to the Lord. Uh, it, it made me grow a lot in my priesthood mm-hmm. and I have I'm, I've fallen in love with this community, with, with, with what we're doing here. You know, I, I feel very strong about it. I, I feel God's presence. I see lives being changed every week, every day. Uh, I am so grateful. I am, I am eternally grateful. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So when you started, when, okay, so you talked to, you said yes. What was the first step? from there on, because you've got this monumental task in front of you. <laughs> okay, starting a parish, you have nothing. <laughs> yeah. What are your first steps? What do you do? So uh, what helps were in the, in the Archdiocese, five years, a few years before that, uh-huh. uh, there was, uh, so yeah, one of the blessings in our Archdiocese is while many other places, they're closing down, we are adding parishes. So. I, 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 I knew, I was told that St. Edestein uh-huh. started out just like us uh, with, from scratch. Uh, that was um, uh, maybe uh, in the 90s, okay. uh, in the late 80s, in the 90s, they okay. were doing that. And then St. Angela Marici has just started out maybe like four or five years before that. Okay. So... I think the archdiocese in working with them also have some experience. So as I was, uh, when the Carl finally said yes, he said, these are some of the things that you need to do. One of the things you need to do is to look for a place to celebrate your mass. Okay. Because uh, you have to go and rent a place, maybe one of the school. Yes. Because this is so amazing about the Eucharist. You know what start a parish? The Quran told me, it's your first Mass. The day you celebrate the first Mass, you become a parish. I give a decree, uh-huh. but it's the first Eucharist when the people gather around 
the Eucharistic table, mm-hmm. that's when you become a community. So the first job was to look at what school are still open out in this area, yes, so that you can go ahead and book it before you even come out there. Because yes. uh, uh, when you gather your people, it's the first mass that make a parish. So. I remember uh, talking with the realtor office of the archdiocese, and he gave me a list of the schools that are open. Okay. So we looked into it. Believe it or not, at that time, uh, we were looking at a, a long list of schools, uh-huh. but they were all taken. Oh, really? It's wild. There was wow. only very few that were still open. Or they were available that for was a available for for a community to to, to rent out. So we looked at it and we drove out here. The one that we thought would, would really work that well mm-hmm. um, at the time was Huggin Elementary School. Yes. So he drove me out. He had a list with us and we drove out and the dicey has already called him. Yes. So we drove out to Huggin Elementary School and I was praying to the Holy Spirit the whole time. I said, Lord, uh, you know better. You know, you know how lost I am and Whatever place you want us to be, please lead us there. Uh-huh. So as we were driving into uh, Hagen Elementary School, I, I was already praying to the Holy Spirit, please lead me. And we go in there, the school was very- um, It's small. Gracious, it's small, <laughs> okay. and it was a bit hidden. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was not as, as visible or in terms of, you kind of have to f- find your way to get there. Yeah, it's like a, like a country road type yeah. so thing. I, yes. we, we walked there and they were very gracious to staff, walk us to the gym and all of that, but I didn't feel that excitement or that peace that I was looking for in discernment. So they gave us the paper to, to fill out and to sign to return mm-hmm. to them. And when we drive out, I, I was like, wow, is there any other school that's open? He said, Father, I'm, I, we've called a lot of school and they're not open. If they are open, they have like maybe the afternoon spot or something like that. Yes. So as we were driving, I got on my cell phone and I just put public school. You weren't driving. I wasn't driving, <laughs> he was driving. <laughs> okay. So uh, Who was with you? Uh, Kent Sight was the one who was driving me. He was uh-huh. the director of the realtor office. So while he was driving, I said, Kent, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look and uh, we, go, we go to a couple other one, but when we go in there, it was too small. Okay. And because we called them to see if, and to see if they have already it available. But when we go in there, it was too small. Yes. As we walk in there, oh, uh, the facility wasn't, uh, it doesn't look, I still don't have that experience of, of peace. And then, yes. And then uh, I looked, in the area, and I, I then I saw Joe Hubernick. Yes, and uh, it looked fairly new. You know, it looked kind of nice and yes, pretty cl- close enough to where our people are. Yes, so I said, "Hey, why don't we come over here?" So we drove over there, and I still remember walking in, and uh, uh, the secretary was Catholic. She was very gracious. Yes, I said, "I'm the new." Or priests, we're starting, we wanted to see if the school might be open for us to use in the weekend for Mass. And says, oh yes, Father, um, there was a, a Baptist group that been using it, but they just moved out. 
and moved to a different location. So we are open now. It's yes. Like, oh, on the list, it was not available that I had, but we didn't realize that they have moved out. So they they gave us a tour, and I felt like, wow, this is the best spot. This is it. This I feel it. I feel that peace. I feel that 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 prompting, that excitement. You know. So when we came back, we threw out the paper and we submitted it right away. I said, go for this one. This is it. This yes. is the one we want. Yes. And um, and we submitted the application and accepted it. And I was so thankful. So that was in place. Then uh, at the time, and you could see God provide. Uh, the people were already starting. Uh, Megan, she has her own, for example, she had her own uh, uh, web page about the new parish and people were getting on it. Uh, social media has its blessing. You know? Oh, yes. <laughs> people word were getting, was spreading. Yeah, word was spreading. And once the announcements were made, then oh. word was spreading. Then, And I remember I packed, uh, then I packed my stuff from the seminary. Uh, at uh-huh. least we know we have uh, we have a. There's two things that we need. One was a school. Yes. So we once we know when we can celebrate mass, then uh-huh. we can plan it. Once we meet with the people, the second thing was a place to stay. Okay. Because <laughs> we didn't. The, the only thing we was we had was this piece of land. Yeah, you can't pitch so, a tent in the middle of. The- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So uh, I I uh, I looked up the neighboring pairs and Father Twee lived close by uh, in Wallace, which is about thirty minutes from here. Yes. So I called him up. He was so gracious. Said, "Dad, come here. You can stay with me." Uh-huh. Uh huh. So we needed a place. I needed a place to stay, and Father Twee graciously allowing me to stay there and feed me without charging us anything because you know we we don't have anything <laughs> a guardian this is a guardian angel it's guardian angel it's a, a beautiful small little church small little church yeah, yeah. so father twee said yeah dad you can come and stay with me have extra room yes i was so thankful for that and then um i call up saint bart uh because they are a lot closer to where we're at i said mm-hmm. uh, uh father john at the time uh, that was before he was transferred. Okay. I called him because I know this uh, before uh, the newest. I said, Father John, do you have a an office you may be able to allow me to office out of? Because uh-huh. uh, I just need a place to people can call and ask questions and have and meetings. Has and, yes. meetings. So Father John was very. He said, Absolutely. I I have an an open office and you can go in and use it. Okay. And uh, the staff at Saint Bart was so gracious and. Uh, they welcome me, and so I came out here, and that's uh, I I I I packed all the stuff in my car uh-huh. and drive from the seminary. Uh, I drive to the land first, and I yes. remember pull pull into the fans. I got out, and I prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and I said, "Lord, I consecrate this land and this community about to be built to Your Divine Mercy." And then and ab- you were alone. I was alone. Okay. And then I got back in my car. I pulled out and I drove to Wallace because you have to pass by here to yes. get to Wallace. And I got there, and that's how it started. At yeah. this point, um, did you get a board together? Who did you contact? Who were the first people so, that you? Yeah, when I came out here, I have already know some people that when I was in vocation, I get to know that live out here. Okay. Uh, Jonah already live out here. I know Kevin Shipley. He he was uh-huh. involved with the youth group, and I yes. I already know him out here. Uh, and 
he got connected with Megan at the time there was uh, also Javon who yes who I knew who who was uh, who live out here and who I worked a lot in vocation and yes. he was also in the seminary during my time so I contacted them and we go to uh, Jonah's house and four of us we sit down and say okay here we are <laughs> we need uh, we need to meet with the people how do we do that uh-huh. and then we plan out we say okay first we need to contact the the pastor of the neighboring parish mm-hmm. and the the two biggest one close by was Epiphany of the Lord and St. Bart. Yes. We asked them if they would allow us to have a town hall meeting. Yes. And I'm eternally grateful. Both pastor was so, so gracious. By all means, we'll help you. We'll make announcement for you. And we can provide a space for you and all of that. And yes. I was so grateful. So we put it on the social uh, media that we're having a town hall meeting on this day at St. Bart. Yes. On that evening at uh, Epiphany of the Lord. If you leave in this area, please come by and see us. Yes. And uh, the pastor was so gracious. They also put it in their bulletin and their announcement. And so when we were sitting down, we were planning, okay, what do we do when we have the uh, the town hall meeting? What do we say? What do we do? Yes. How do we reg- get people to put their name and their phone number? And we didn't know what to expect, how many people are going to show up and... Lo and behold, <laughs> wow. On that day, the first one at St. Bart, there was more than 400 people showed up at that meeting. It was exciting. And then when we had the meeting at Epiphany of the Lord, it was about 600 people wow. showed up for that meeting. And <laughs> it was beautiful. We see some of those pictures. and uh, That's awesome. I get to introduce myself. Hello, everybody. I am Father Dad. And... Uh, I'm the priest that the cardinal sent out here, and we pray together. And the cardinal gave us the first task, which I'm grateful for. He said, "Your first job is when you have those town hall meeting, uh-huh. come up with some names. The cardinal is the oh. one who who name a parish. Yes, uh, because uh, uh, naming is giving a mission. That's why uh, the 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 bishop is the the chief shepherd. He represents." Uh, Christ at the local church. So he names it. That means Christ giving that parish a mission. You know? Yes. So he's the one that named it. But he was so gracious. I think that's, I, I admire that so much. And that's a, that's, he's so gracious to say, why don't you meet with your people? He allowed, he gave us some, some ownership in naming the parish. Yes. Pray with them and give me three names that they come up with and I'll choose one. What were the, what were the top three so choices? We, we divided into a group of 12 <laughs> and, and, and among them, they come up with, with names and yes. then we tally them. So we tally them up uh-huh. and uh, the, the top three names were number one, Divine Mercy. Yes. Number two, John Paul II. Okay. Number three, Faustina. Okay. I believe number four was uh, Mother uh, Teresa Kakada. Okay. Okay. So, but we tallied them up at both meeting. The top three was Divine Mercy, John Paul II, and Faustina. Okay. Isn't that amazing? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like God has a plan already. So uh, after the uh, the meeting at uh, the second meeting, mm-hmm. and we tally up the top three names. I called the cardinal. I said, Cardinal, uh, we have met, and these are the top three names. Yes. And it didn't take him long. Like in the same day, he called back. 
He said, Dad, I uh, I give it some thought, uh-huh. and I will. Uh, I t- he said, if I name it Divine Mercy, because it's so new, people may not know it's Catholic, because usually a Catholic church is associated with a saint. Yes. He said, if I name it John Paul II, uh, St. John Paul II school is so school, close yes. by, people might get it confused, confused with. Yeah. He said, I will name you the third one, which is uh, St. Faustina, because you get all three of them. Yes. She's the <laughs> apostle of Divine Mercy, and she was canonized by John Paul II. Exactly. So you... You get all three of them. So I named you Saint Faust. I named the community, the Paris Saint Faustina. Three birds with one stone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was so happy, so happy. I remember making the video to announce the name. Yes. <sighs> I, I was I was on cloud nine. I That's was so awesome. happy. Yeah. That is awesome. So, what were the the biggest challenges starting the parish from the, the, at the very beginning? What were the most difficult things that you had to, to deal with? The most difficult thing was was space because when you borrow a school, is mm-hmm. you have to be in at a certain time and out at a certain time. Yes. Understandably, because the school have to get ready for there. So for we have the exact time we have to be in and out. That yeah. was very difficult. So on Saturday, for example, we have the school from three to I believe uh, seven. Okay. Because mass was at five, so we we have in that time. So we go in, set up. While they're setting up, I'm hearing confession, <laughs> right? So because uh, we don't really have a place. Yes. While they're setting up, I'm hearing confession, and then right at time for mass, we celebrate mass. We finish with the get things out and get out. Yes. And on Sunday, same thing. We have a limited time, so we have to get in at a certain time to set things up. Mm-hmm. And celebrate the mass, and then we have to take out all the chairs, all yeah. the table, put the school back. That was a lot of work every weekend. In rain or shine, you drive the U-Haul, you drive yep. the trucks there, and you set it up, and you have to make sure you get it out. So if we have to have some community time and things, it's very hard because yes. you you have to be in and out. Uh, it was very challenging to. Every weekend, right, load things up and unload things. Because everything we see in the church, we provided. Oh, yeah. The school provided half of the chair, but everything else we have to bring. So that was very challenging. But the community is amazing because it draw goodness out of the people. You know, every, people stay and help. And But sometimes it was raining like crazy, and we now oh. they're bringing things in, <laughs> oh, and it's wet. No. And, yeah, and, and also the space in there is very limited, so you have a certain space to set up and yes so it was wild <laughs> to not have a, a a place for that you know and i wanted to to have a place to meet with people to have confession to uh-huh. have meeting and it was very hard uh and then so and the office was based out of st bart so i was living at wallace officing out of st bart in celebrating Katie. mass over here in, in- katie yes so it was <laughs> it was very um so you're wallace Katie and then Richmond. That's Richmond right. Richmond full share. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a, this triangle. It, it was challenging. Uh, um, you know, you don't really have a, a place to to nurture the community. Uh-huh. That's why it's so important. I mean, from our experience that we want to make sure the mass is beautiful. It gathers the people. Mm-hmm. But our faith doesn't stop when we leave on Sunday. When yes. we leave the church. 
That's when we live. So it's so important to build community, to nurture the heart. You know, the the uh, transfiguration experience is important. Mm-hmm. But the Lord said, "No, you don't stay there. Now you go down and you walk to Calvary, where the daily dying and living the faith uh, become part of who we are." Yeah. So um, I just remember not having a place to to meet as a community to pray to celebrate the sacraments. Must be tough. It was very very hard. Like when somebody passed away, oh, we have to borrow a church. Right, we have to call. The neighboring church. Do you have a place so we can come and celebrate uh, the funeral? Yes. You know? uh, having confirmation, you know, the second year, like we can't just confirm them in the warehouse. Or, I remember. Or, yeah. It was it was very hard. To, it's I feel like a, a father, and you have you have children, and you want to uh, provide for them, but you don't have the means. You don't have. Where you was know, the confirmation have, mass? Was that in uh... the first one? Was out. There at Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yes, but did you know the the amazing thing in your liking is you find that uh, God provide. You know, uh, all the parishes they play such around us. They play such an important role. Yes. in supporting us. I I could imagine it's so difficult. You know, because for a long time they have now they have to encourage encourage say people if you are there go help them. Yes, you know go. It's hard, but they did that so graciously. I'm so thankful. You know, and it and kind of connects the parishes together. Yes, too. and they were always the pastors. As hard as it was, they always was very supportive of me. I'm so thankful for that. I remember when uh, when we were in the choir singing for that one confirmation master. So envious of this yeah. <laughs> big church that they had. I said, "Wow, you know, yeah. and here we are under a basketball hoop singing." And, and the, the other songs. difficult thing was, uh, <laughs> you know, like when I was in the when we were officing out the house. Yes. Whenever we have, because uh, we had that that little house that we have near the school. Yes. That was the storage, the warehouse. <laughs> All the thing on Sunday was it, we packed them in the garage. Uh huh. The 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 the, uh, the bedroom was the office, and the small living room was the Paris Hall. <laughs> so sometimes we have meetings and there's a lot of call park in the neighborhood. I was all I'm always thinking, when is my neighbor gonna come and kill me? You know? <laughs> Whenever we have daily mass in the living room. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember when we have fifty youth our first youth meeting squeezed in into that. Wow. Oh, that was uh that was stressful. And then when we moved to the warehouse, whenever we have like a holy obligation, like an Ash Wednesday. Yes. Oh, it's terrible because we took all the parking lot in the business. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they were so mad at us. I no, I remember that very first Ash Wednesday Mass. It was at this community center. Do you remember that That's one? That's right. Yeah, and it was so it was packed. packed. Yeah, there. You know, you couldn't find any aisles when yeah. communion happened. Yeah. All the cars were just all that over was the place. Stressful. Yeah, I said, <laughs> Lord, please, there's. But you don't let any fire or anything happen because we are so packed in there. I, uh, you know, I mean, it's only we don't do that. It's only for like once a year for things like that. That you know, or for Christmas or for Ash Wednesday that we have to deal with that. It, it was so hard. It, I, I, I people, remember people were so patient. You know, uh, as we grow, <laughs> I, I'm so thankful. I'm eternally thankful for that. The community, it's it was, amazing. It was funny because we were all packed in there, and I remember you saying. 
um, just remember this moment because we're going to look back on this yeah. when we have our own home. Yeah, <laughs> we'll remember this difficult time together, you know? But you know what I have to say, what I so love about our community is we, uh, we, we, people don't have to go to a school for mass. They mm -hmm. don't have to go to a, a, a business, like a, 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 a little, sh sh like a, a business, uh, in that warehouse. A warehouse for yeah. mass or to the community center for mass. It's not glorious, it's not beautiful, but they came. And I am so grateful for that. But it also teaches us a lot of things is that, you know what? It's the community that make the mass. When we love the Lord, it's like if a family really love, fall in love, they may live in a a small poor house, but the families are in love. And that's what makes you a family. Yes. A family may live in a very big, gigantic house with every means, but if they always are fighting and arguing and they're struggling and they, they are unfaithful and they're not happy. But I think God is so real. We could be in uh, very lacking and we don't have all these things but you truly experience love and God's presence. Yeah, we learn so much about that in terms of Sunday experience. Yes. You may not have the, the glorious basilica, but if we have faith, if we have love, then God is truly present. And you and I remember those experiences. We yeah. truly, truly feel God is with us. And there's this joy, even though we were, you know, squeezed in and we sat on the floor <laughs> and we sat, but you feel that presence, that love, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. The people who, of God, who's willing to say, you know what, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a beautiful, glorious church, mm -hmm. but I'll go there. We'll build this community together. And I'm so grateful. And that's what our people are doing. You know, we don't have our glorious church yet, but you know what, we're building the church that is not made out of bricks and mortar, but is, is made up of, as St. Paul said it, the living stones. And that's so beautiful. I'm so grateful for that. Every Sunday since day one, you know, I, I don't tell people this too often, but I, I go up there and I see a perspective that people don't see because I'm up there. I look out and I see the community and I just love the community. You know, they don't have to be here. It's not a glorious church, but they are here. We don't have everything, but your people are here. And they want to build this temple made out of living stone together. They want to build together, you know. And for that, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And that's why I love so much this community. And that's what I love about I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do that, you know, because, yeah. It was exciting in uh, the uh, starting the parish. Yeah. You know, knowing that, oh, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, you can say, I was a part of the beginning of this parish. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was here helping yeah. to build upon 
on on this just just when it was still a warehouse when it yeah. was still a school when yeah. it was yeah and we're still there we're and still, we're still we're building still, yeah we're still <laughs> i think that generally speaking it's nice to be the one who go and pick the fruits but it's exciting to be the one who plant that tree from the beginning and that's what we're doing you get to plant the tree you get to shape that garden it's nice to be the one who, hey, you know, I have the garden, I'll just pick the fruit. Yes. But to be the one who who plant the plants so that the generation to come can harvest the fruit. And I, I'm so thankful that we get to do that now. That's awesome. To be the one who plant the trees. Yes. We may not be able to harvest the fruit, but that in itself is a rare and awesome uh, blessing that we get to do, no? What was the most difficult time for you when, you know, early on with the church, building the church, starting it, you know, what was the, what was the thing that, that tried you the most, that you had to pray about the most when you were starting the church? And I remember that evening I think it got to me because I'm always staying, but at some time it get to you, right? I was, I was yes. just going and going and going. And I think God, um, there's nothing in our life. When God has a plan, a mission for us, I think going through my experience in Vietnam and then being, living, you know, as a beggar for three months while I was in the refugee, I was in Thailand mm-hmm. and not having food, not having house. I think that prepare me for this mission. I really look back and I see that. So for me, even in the lacking is is significantly better than where I was. And so uh, I'm always grateful for that those experiences. So it hurt me that I cannot provide for the people of God. Like for example, when someone in the community passed away uh-huh. and I don't have a church to celebrate their funeral mass, it breaks my heart. Oh, it yeah. breaks my heart. You know, when I want to have a a celebration for the community and we don't have a place to do it, it yes. hurt. When I was planning that confirmation, I was looking at the warehouse and I said, "We just cannot confirm the kids here, the the young people." Yes, here. let's look for a place. It breaks my heart. You know. Yeah. Um. But in terms for me, I think that uh, I've always embraced it. It, it never, but at one point it get to me. I, I remember I was, because um, at the end of mass, we can't leave the blessed sacrament. Here, the Lord can always stay here. Right? Yes. After the mass on Saturday, we can't leave the blessed sacrament in the school. So I'll take the Lord. I'll take the, uh, the pattern. Okay. And, and, uh, Drive with me back to to uh, to Wallace, and uh, I remember that day I was driving back, and I was driving back. Uh, it was it was it get dark in the in the winter, and a dog or some animal run by, and I I, I step on the brake real fast, and it 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 um, the blessed sacrament. I didn't sit there. Jeez, was fall on the... So it was on the passenger seat? It was passenger seat. Okay. And it... 
So I I quickly pulled over, turned uh-huh. on the image, and I picked up. I picked every Eucharist and put it back to the pattern. And I was I was so I felt broke. I was like, Lord, I don't have a church, a proper place to put you. Here you are, all over the floor in my car. You know, that's when it really got to me. It's like, Lord, how long? Oh. When are we <laughs> gonna have our own place? And I remember just picking the Lord in the end. Telling the Lord that you know, uh-huh. and uh, I just remember the Lord telling me, "That's okay. This is where I have you, and you will be blessed. Your community will be blessed because of that." But I just remember that was the one time it hit me. I was like, "Enough of this, you know. Where, when are we gonna be have our own place?" Uh, that the other time was um, when. We didn't have parking, and the owner of the business park complained to us, like, oh, "You wow. took all our parking." Wow! So I had to put my guard down, and I go and apologize to all the business that was in that business park. Yes, I have to go in there and say, "I'm so sorry. Uh, we had that mass, and we took all your parking lot. We apologize. I'm so sorry. It hap- It doesn't happen all the time. Mm-hmm. That was hard for me. Uh, yeah." Let's talk about this new building now. The building that we're in right now for Saint Faustina. Uh-huh. That was an exciting time when it finally was built. Yes. <laughs> so um, I uh, uh, I was in the uh, in there a couple of days ago while they were pouring the cement for the foundation. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was overwhelmed with joy. You no. Know. Um, from the very beginning, we as a community has always felt a very strong mission and also a very strong desire to build a community, build a temple of living stone. All that experience of even in the school, even in the um, a warehouse, we yes. come. It's not glorious, but we came together and we experienced God. And I think we are blessed to have that experience because it's allowed us to see and to experience in real life, right? That is the, the temple of the living stone. So uh, once we get here, we had to discern Always discerning, yes. Not making decision, but discerning what is our uh, next step that God wants to take us. Uh, the question was whether to build a church mm-hmm. or uh, to build more community and uh, formation space. Yes, simply because uh, um, we just grow very fast. What a blessing. Yes. It's a great problem to have. <laughs> we were full at the school, That's but then right. when this building was built, yeah. a lot more people came. That's right. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. It's like we doubled or tripled or even That's quadrupled. Right. Yeah. We just grow very, very fast. So, um, so we did a survey. We, uh, met with the people. Uh, we did a survey and then we pray when they discussed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the conclusion is that our current church here, 
yes. that we celebrate Mass every Sunday, people may not realize it, but we are sitting as many as some of the biggest church in the Archdiocese, such as St. Lawrence, uh-huh. St. Bartholomew, Epiphany of the Lord, uh, uh, um, St. Martha. We sit a lot of, we sit about 1,400 people in this church. It doesn't look that big. Yes. But we sit a lot of people. We just don't have the high ceiling. We just don't have the high ceiling. Yes. And also all the, the beautiful things that the church normally have, right? Yes. So, but we do sit a lot of people uh, in this church. Um, of course, uh, it's a serious upgrade from when we were in the warehouse oh, and yeah. in the school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think that um, I continue to believe when we gather together and we pray, we love one another, we mm-hmm. open our heart to the Lord, then we experience God like we did in the school and yes. in the warehouse. You know? So we feel that Right now, we're able to accommodate people for mass, even though right before COVID, thing was getting big. Yes. You know, and we'll continue to grow. If we build the church, we have to think ahead. Being, being a startup community, we have to always discern and always think ahead, not, not reacting uh, in the present, but always uh, prudently think ahead. And our thought was given the growth that is happening right now and in the next 10 years, uh-huh. if we build a church now, before we move into it, we already outgrow it. Just like what happened here. Yes. Like you build a building, a lot of people come. Yes. Right Even away. more people are going to come. Yes. Uh, here's the dilemma we have. One is if we build it, we have to build big. Yes. Um, but that would cost us a lot. We need more people to be part of that, to yes. build it. More family uh, to come together to build it. Yes. Uh, secondly, currently, we are not able to have space to have community time and formation for children and adult. There's so many programs we can't do right now yes. because of that. I mean... Even trying to squeeze in, at, um, trying to get f- time for baptism, f- uh, funerals, wedding is hard. Yes. Because this building is booked, packed. Yes. Now, and when you have the children, like for CCE or Faith yeah. Formation, you have to close down the entire building for their safety. Exactly. So it's very difficult to, to have pl- space for community and formation. With the current community, if we build a church, the demand will double. Yes. So we thought that, okay, we be, before we're able to build a church and draw even a lot more people, we have to make sure that we have the infrastructure to continue to nurture the heart and build a church that is a living stone. The people that are already here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the people that are continuing to coming, coming. every week, yes. every week we welcome new families, nonstop, even to the pandemic, every week. So our thought was if we build the space, we allow for more family to come. Mm-hmm. We allow for more space to have, have, uh, have formation, uh, 
to welcome more people, to have overflow, to welcome more family. Then after that, we can build, we're in the position to build a big church which welcome more people. Yes. And we are able to build it big so that just not after five years or 10 years, we have to break down and, and expand, which is a lot more expensive. Yes. We have to build it big. Yes. And second of all, the people that come, we have a place to nurture the heart and the faith. For us, that's always important Yes, as a community. So that's why we built this space which allow for, uh, uh, have more big room for, let's say if we have a wedding and funeral and we can't, we don't have the space, we can also use that space for that. Um, we can, we have space for the youth gathering, it's a space for the adult to have formation with the youth at the same time. At the same time and keep them safe. And keep them safe. And mm-hmm. that's very important to us. Yes. You know, always thinking about the, the, the safe environment of our young people. You know? So, and that's why we, we, uh, we want to build this step as a, build this second phase as the step to, to get to the church. And, mm-hmm. and do it in such a way that is consistent with what the community has always grown together with in terms of focusing on building the, the, the living stones. And that's why we, we are there. So I'm so excited about it because it, it allowed for a space for, you know, t- there's times when, like this past uh, uh, week, uh, we had a church cellar. And at the end of the day, we were in here for adoration. And you see hundreds of youth in here. Yes. And we have adoration and they're singing and they're on fire with the Lord. You know, so Yes. That's what we're building. So we got the space for them to do that. And I'm thinking of the parents, you know, when their children are in in formation, they too can be be in formation, you know, grow together as couples. Yes. They can grow together in in their own faith. You know? So that's what that's what we're building. We're building those hearts, we're building that community, and that's what I'm so excited about, because we need it. We so much need it to nurture the heart. Yeah. During those big occasions like Christmas and and Holy Week, Easter, you know, you think, oh, if there was another building, we could have a separate mass there at the same uh, time and then alternate. Maybe yes, that's one of those things. We can that... have additional mass. We can have overflow there. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so all of that is important for us. Another important, which is the charism of our parish, is our, our mission that the Lord gave us to us since day one, right? is to be a community where the love and mercy of God is lived, experienced, and shared. That is why we have Jesus in the, uh, in the front with his arm outreached like that. We want people yes. to experience the loving embrace of God, this hospitality, this love. All those who, who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are wounded, come and be embraced. And part of hospitality is to be able to... to when people come to Mass, that they also can have a place where their fate are nurtured, their children have a place to, to be formed, to be nurtured in their faith. Uh, the adult uh, can also come and be nurtured in their faith. You know, in, 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 they can gather to support one another. That is important, part of our mission, uh, to, to heal 
to 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 share and live this mercy of God together. Yeah. Speaking of you know accommodating people, one thing that I really and a lot of people have talked about this admire about Saint Faustina and the culture here is the integration of the Spanish mass and the Spanish culture and the community in in our practices. Was that something that, that was really intentional from the beginning? Was that your vision for the parish? That's our community's vision because we wanted. Uh, when when I went to that school to 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 rent the, the the space for our first mass for our mass in the school, I asked the the uh, principal how many different languages they speak in your school. She said twenty three, and that's kind of the makeup <laughs> of our parish. Every time we gather together, it's like a United Nation. Yes, but that's the church. All nations shall come to worship the Lord, right? Yes. And when we gather, it's so rich, so beautiful. And uh, we have the Hispanic community, which is growing in our archdiocese and in this area, in our area. You know, and a lot of them, for instance, come from Venezuela, Colombia, uh, Brazil, uh, Mexico. From Among the Hispanic community themselves, it's very diverse. And they all gather. And uh, for them to be able to feel welcome, to be able to pray in their mother tongues. You know, I, I, I preach and speak English and Spanish all day, but at the end of the day when I'm in adoration and praying by myself, I'm praying in Vietnamese because it, it reaches, touches the depth of my heart yes. to be able to allow our brothers and sisters who, who are a big percentage of our community to be able to uh, celebrate in their own language, singing their song yes. and expressing it it's beautiful, you know. We we are the one community, but we're able to express it in in different languages, and and there's just many of them here. And uh, it was good for us to be able to to have that expression of faith uh, in our community. So I'm I'm so thankful for that, you know. I that that we are able to do that. You know, when did you learn beautiful. to speak Spanish? So I, uh, you know, in, in high school, you have to take a, a language class, and yes. I chose Spanish. Thank God I did that. <laughs> and then in the seminary, I, I, I knew that the Hispanic community was growing very, very much in our diocese, and the archdiocese was really pushing that. So mm -hmm. I took classes, and then um, uh, I was sent one summer to study in Mexico, in Cuernavaca, Mexico, Spanish. Uh, so really tried to learn it. And it was in my first two assignments, my first four years in two different parishes, it was um, the first parish, Holy Name, was predominantly Hispanic, so I have to practice and use it a lot. Yes. My second assignment, I was the Hispanic priest because <laughs> the pastor spoke, uh, didn't speak any Spanish. Okay. And he needed a Spanish-speaking priest, so they sent me. <laughs> so... I was uh, I did all the Spanish mass and uh, I was in charge of the Hispanic community so I really practiced that a lot. So and then coming here with with the mass in Spanish and yes. with a lot of our brothers and sisters doing ministry in Spanish I I'm able to practice it uh, so it helps. Is that something required now in the seminary? Yeah, yeah. Every got every every seminary go through their uh especially if 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 English is is not their second language where they still trying to learn then yes. they have to learn spanish yeah because this um yeah the hispanic community is growing uh 
very fast in the archdiocese. Yeah. You talked about difficulty during the time that you were, you know, we were building the church, and now being a priest, it's it's a tough job. You know, you you see some, you you experience some of the the tragedies that. Uh, the parishioners go through, and then there are also high times, the celebrations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is is that very difficult for you to 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 bounce back and forth between all of that? Yeah, you know, there's days when you know you celebrate baptism and life, and then you afterward you celebrate wedding, and afterward you celebrate funeral, and so the emotion is. Yeah. It must be emotionally exhausting. <laughs> yeah, there's days when it is very emotionally exhausting. But I find I love it. I love that about being a priest. I f- I'm so honored because in the joy and sadness, in the ups and downs of life, mm-hmm. people uh, invite priests to be part of that. Not because, oh, because Father Dad, because they see in the priest the presence of God. You know, uh, their loved one is dying and they call for a priest. And I'm going in there and there I stand as on behalf of Christ in my role as a priest and on behalf of the community, representing community, stand the church. So this person is not alone. I stand there in the person of Christ as a priest and I stand there as a pastor of the community, to have the whole community there praying with them, you know, represent the church, the whole church is praying with this person. So it, it can be draining, but I love, I love it. I love it. I feel so honored. I feel so blessed to do that, you know? On those extra hard days, do you have a support system? Do you have other priests that you call up or talk to or, oh, yeah. or you know, somebody to cry on, a shoulder to cry on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm very blessed. Uh, so um, I am what we call a diocesan priest. Yes. A priest who uh, work in the diocese and mostly in the parish. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are, we are right there with the people, living with the people uh, Versus a religious community, a religious community live in their community, yes. so that's their support, their community. Yes. And for us, us and priests, we have to have. We don't have a provided community of support in terms of going back to the religious community. Mm-hmm. So we have to create our own support around us. So my primary community is the parish. Yes. So this is this is my family. Yes. This is my primary family, my primary community. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I came out here, the cardinal said, Dad, as soon as you can, I want you to live on the property. Why? Because it's a sign that you are with them. Okay, so I always remember that. So uh, this is my primary community. So, you know, I, I through good time and bad time, when I'm here, I celebrate Mass on Sunday, on the weekday, I look out. Uh-huh. This is my first support. And I'm so, I feel so loved here. Uh, you know, I, People are so kind to me in terms of the food. Whenever I'm, <laughs> when Father Ryan passed away, they reach out and say, Father, we're praying for you. Yeah. Even through the difficult time of the, 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 the scandal, people was, pray- I felt more loved. Yes. I mean, people was praying for me, encouraging yeah. me. I remember, I was so moved when 
at the one of the the mass, I was I was feeling so sad, you know, going through the difficult time of the church. Yes, the community brought up a basket of all the letters, mm. sharing how much they love and they praying for me. Gosh, I'll never forget that. Uh, so this is my support, right? And additionally, I have, for example, a group of priests where we meet together every month. That's we good. We have adoration together. Yes. And we we call it the review of life. We share our life together. Where did God speak to us during the month? Mm-hmm. And we have dinner together when we share the joy and the sadness together. And we became very close. We've been together for years. Um, I'm also thankful my family are here. You know, they they are very supportive of me. Mm-hmm. So. Every once in a after a long weekend, I just go home and eat mom soup. <laughs> That's very healing. <laughs> yeah. Mom's, yeah, mom's cooking. That's right. Yeah. So going so. back to Father Ryan, Father Ryan Stowes, what you know, he passed away not too long ago. It was a big blow to the community, but you know him very well because he was with Saint Faustina for a year, uh-huh. and before that. And you were the vocation director. That's right. Yeah, I was the vocation director. I I was the one who interviewed him and accepted him to the seminary. And I knew him while he was a seminarian. I always knew him as a a very, he has a very beautiful soul. Always living. He has this, I just remember he came in interviewing and right away he impressed me as a very, very athletic uh-huh. Plays sport, basketball, and a lot of sport. Very athletic, uh, very handsome looking. Uh-huh. Graduated A and M with a degree in uh, petroleum engineering. He was making big, big, big bucks. Uh huh. Big bucks. When he told me that, I thought, man, your 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 one year salary is the equivalent of my whole life. <laughs> 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 uh, and you know, but but he felt a call, and he, he just there's something about him. He just a love for the Lord and a love for the people. It's just gentle way of being. You know? And then I see that I see that in him throughout his life. You know, so I put him in different in charge of different thing. And then I was I was excited when they. We're gonna send him here as a deacon. Yes, and you could see the joy in him, you know, being with the people and always serving, always loving, always attentive to my need. You know, I always care, always ask, always, and uh, so I felt a special closeness to him. Mm. And I remember when he, a month before his ordination, he called me on my cell phone. He said, "Father, Dad." I just got out of the doctor's office and they told me cancer came back. And I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I don't know Uh if I'll be ordained or not. What should I do? Yes. And my heart just broke. I mean, when he told me that. And I said, I said, Ryan, no. No. Cancer will not stop the coroner from ordaining. In fact, he's going to want to ordain you even more so you can can become a priest. So don't be afraid. I'll be there to support you. Mm-hmm. The coroner will support you. You know. So this is what you. This is you call. Just call the diocese. Let them know. Call your family, and I'm here for you. And he did. And uh, after he did all of that, and then I remember he came back here. 
And his last homily, I remember he said, at the end of it, he said, also, by the way, I do want to share with you that cancer has come back. But the way he did it, the way he received the news, the way he did it, it was just so inspiring. I mean, people still tell me yes. that he inspired me, Father, people who had cancer, people who was having, uh, said, Father, Father Ryan really gave me a lot of courage, you know. And I was so inspired by that. And then he became a priest. And all he did was always thinking about how can I be in the Paris? How can I get better? I can be there. Always loving, you know. Every time I call him and ask him, he always take it with such courageous peace and always uniting himself with Christ and the Lord. You know, I, and he I, always tell me, I love you. <laughs> you know, every time I talk to him, uh -huh. he always say, I love you. And uh, I, I so admire him. And uh, I, uh, I remember hours before he passed, I called, because they won't let me in the hospital. Uh -huh. His mother put the phone on his ear, and I said, Father Ryan, I want you to know that you're surrounded in God's love because we're all praying for you. I want you to know that I love you and we all love you very much. And I just remember he was, he couldn't talk, but he's trying to make the noise saying, I yeah. love you back, you know. Wow. And at the, at the funeral, gosh, it, it was so beautiful. You see a life, a short-lived priesthood, but he was Christ. He was truly Christ in his suffering, in his preaching, in his way of being with people, you know, I was so moved. I was so inspired. And uh, even the cardinal, when he was speaking, he choked up, you know, and it reminds me of what I told Father Ryan. No, cardinal will love you even more. He will be there for you. He will even more want to ordain you, you know. The way he you know, dealt with his sickness and the positivity and the grace that he had it with. I've always said this, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll remember it forever, is when my time comes, I can only pray that I'll be as gracious yeah. as he's been. Yeah. It's something else. Yeah. It's so amazing how he, he lived out his suffering right before the eyes of, of the community, right? He didn't, he shared it and but always, always pointing us to God. And uh, I'm so inspired by that. Does it feel like, in a way, for you losing a son? Because he was under you as, yeah. you know, you, you, you brought him into the priesthood, yeah. and then he was, he was here as a deacon. It yeah. must feel that way. Like yeah, you, for me, more like a brother. Like a brother. Yeah, I guess because I don't want to be old. <laughs> but as priests, we become brother in a yes. in a special sacramental bond. Very so unique bond, yes. I always see him as like a, a, a younger brother that I, I so love and care. And uh, yeah. Speaking I, of priest brothers, in a happier note, mm -hmm. We just recently welcomed four priest brothers into <laughs> the archdiocese. Yeah, and you know we we oh. had Father Houston on the show. We had Father Joseph and that's right, and Father Wayne and um, 
uh, Father Chad. Chad Henry, yeah. We were trying to schedule them for the show as well. Wonderful, yeah. Were you, were you the... Yeah, vocation I get, director when they I was. I accepted all of them, then I leave. <laughs> <laughs> then I come out to St. Faustina. <laughs> so the pride you must feel seeing them finally become priests yeah, must be something else. I'm grateful that I was able to be there to usher them into the seminary. Now, it's God who calls them, right? I don't take credit for that. Uh-huh. God's who call them, and they're the one that have the audacity and the courage to say yes. So they come to my office, and I kind of walk them through the, the process to, to have them accepted to the seminary. So I'm thankful to God for that because I feel like I know them really well. Because in the process, you have to really interview them and read their psychological evaluation and all of that. I feel like I know them really well. I, even, I know a lot, um, like uh, some of them I know before they, they became, I always try to uh-huh. tuck them toward the seminary. So I'm, I'm thankful for that opportunity. Uh, uh, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So let's talk about you. Your future. So we're here at St. Faustina and we're talking about, you know, growing the church and building the church. When we do finally have the big church, is there any plan for them to move you? Because they move priests every once in a while. I, you know, I, I don't want to tempt fate, but it is a possibility. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think that uh, one of the, the vow that we made as priests is... Uh-huh. Uh, obedient yes. to the bishop yes. and his successor. We always obedient, and um, so generally speaking, the the bishop sent a priest to a parish for either one term or two term, which is anywhere from six to twelve or fourteen years. Okay. And so um, uh, usually, if he's building like I'm doing, he, the bishop usually leave him there as he's you know, yes. going to the building. Uh, uh, process. Yes. So, um, um, but the, the reason behind moving the priests around is that uh, uh, Colorado doesn't just move priests very quickly because I think that you need a certain stability. Yes. When you go to a parish, it takes a while to get to know the community, bond with the family, mm-hmm. and together you you discern the direction of the parish. So mm-hmm. it takes some times. So usually they don't get moved immediately. Uh, immediately. So, uh, and then uh, after a while, after a, a while they've been there, um, the bishop may move the priest because one, so that, uh, let's say if the priest have a certain talent or gifts, it can also be spread somewhere else as well. And if the priest have a certain defects, the people don't have to put up with that for too long. <laughs> So I think a little bit of a change is also a refreshing for the community and also for the priest. Yes. Uh, after you, it's like after you add something for a while, you may run out of creativity or, or idea and maybe energy, you know. So the people of God deserve, maybe they need a bit of a, a fresh breath of air or yes. change, you know. And the same thing for the priest. So that's the, the rationale behind that, you know. So. I think after a while, people are gonna put up with my defects for so much. It's like, oh, maybe we need. <laughs> but I always believe this because I always think about that. People think about it, but I, I actually think about it a uh-huh. lot more because this community is so dear to me. I've grown. This is my first. This is like my, my my first time being a pastor, you know, and 
we also build a community together. So yes. I feel such a deep bond and deep love for this community. I think the day that I get moved, I'll be devastated. Oh. You know, so I, from time to time, I I would think about that. You know, uh-huh. uh, more. But I've, I I I I come to a, a conviction or, or a, a kind of a, a a surrender that if God does call me away, it's because He knows better. He knows the community needed. It's time for the community to have a bit of a change, for for me to have a bit of a change. It's only because God knows better, and I had the conviction that it'll take the people a bit uh, because the uh, in terms of priest personality are different. Mm-hmm. It may take people a bit to to get accustomed to, but it's only for the better because God knows. God knows best, you know. Even to our eyes, sometimes say, like, "Why are you doing that?" To me or to, but I think that God knows better. He knows that at a bigger pictures, right? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a bigger picture of the local church of the archdiocese. God knows that the diocese need a change, the parish, and it's always we have to always trust. If that happens, it's because God knows better, and we just have to trust it, even though it it hurts. I know it'll hurt me. I feel the, I feel the pain, but I think. I think, but it'll it'll be it'll be all right, uh, but we, you know, here's the thing about relationship is when you foster a relationship, it's for life. You yes, know, you don't. Uh, I will always, if the day comes, it'll be a very sad day for me, but I always carry it with me. This, these memories that I so much cherish, uh, the 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 friendship the that we made, you know, it's always a part of me. No. Uh, and we're blessed to have that, you know? I heard a theory. Uh-huh. And when I heard this theory, I said, that kind of makes sense. I could see that happening. And the theory is, or I'm not sure if it's a rumor or a theory, that you're being groomed to be a bishop. Is there any <laughs> truth to that theory? There's absolutely no truth to that theory. I can affirm you that. Okay. <laughs> Because I could totally see, and I, I think a lot of people, it wouldn't surprise people if they, if and when the time comes after we build the, the big church here, I say, so Father Dad, it's time let, for you. Let me put that to rest, okay? <laughs> that is not the, that's not the case, that's not the theory, okay. and there's absolutely no plan on that at all, okay? And to be honest with you, if you ask me, uh-huh. I'll be the very first person to say, no, Father Dad shouldn't be a bishop <laughs> really <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and i can tell you the list is very very long uh-huh. on the yeah on the no and the yes is nothing <laughs> on there no i think that to be a bishop is a very special call mm-hmm. and uh i think that uh archbishop futon sheen used to say this a bishop is an unlucky priest <laughs> really? That's Archbishop Futonshi. Because they are they are called to to a a very different ministry. To, they share in the fullness of the high priest of Christ. But I think that what what our bishop has to do on that scale is so difficult. They have to deal with so much uh, uh I think they have so much challenges, you know, to lead the flock of the whole archdiocese. 
And that is why we pray for them every single day in the Mass. To be honest with you, Rudy, mm-hmm. this parish is growing so fast. And every day I'm on my knee and I said, Lord, I feel so incompetent. You're going to have to keep sending your people so we can come together and build it the way you want. And that's why people say, Father, we often see you uh, in adoration or praying. Uh, and I, I try to keep that holy hour faithful to that every day. It's because I know how, how unworthy, how incompetent I am. I said, Lord, you're going to have to run it. I can't do it. I can't even run St. Faustina. How am I going to become it? <laughs> so I, I want to, I want to, so that's, I can, I can reassure you that's a bad theory. There's no truth to that. And we can officially put that to rest. <laughs> okay. And I would think that you'd want to stay closer to the people too, to have those, you know, those more intimate um, relationships with the, with the parishioners. Because as a bishop, you're a little more detached. Because you're moving I, around a I lot. I think the bishop is close to his people in 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 a different in way. In a different way, yes, exactly. In a very different way, you know. A bishop is very close. I, 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 uh, I have the opportunity to work with the cardinal. You know, I, I see his pastor zeal. Uh, he keep his people and his priests very close to his heart. You know, uh, he always think about them. Um, but being a bishop, you have to think. You have to deal with a lot of people, you know, uh, a, a big, big, uh, vast, uh, and the responsibility is so, 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 so huge, so big, you know. I there is no way. I'll be. <laughs> I, let's put it this way: I'll be the last person in the archdiocese that should do that. Yeah, blessed priest in the archdiocese that should do that. I know myself. So uh, you can you can you can put that theory to rest. That is not true okay. at all. Period. I can I can I can assure that. I'm, I don't have a lot of certainty, but uh-huh. that I have certainty. <laughs> Thank you so much, Father Dad, for sitting with us. We know you're as always busy. You have. The people to you know to take care of, and we thank you so much for spending this time with us. God bless you. Thank you. The the, the honor and the gratitude is mine. Uh, so good to always uh, witness to the Lord, no, uh, so that we may see that in all of it, in all of it, to thick and thin, in good times and in bad, God is always faithful. And the Lord will never leave us in a place, as St. Paul say it, without giving us the sufficient grace to live it and live it well with Him. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for everything you. you do for the community, Father Dad. Oh, the gratitude is mine. The community has done so much for me, and I'm grateful. Well, we, yeah. we hope and pray for many, many more years with you. Thank you. I pray the same. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. you. Too. Thank you.